I'm Sam Kelly, and this is Threads of Commonality, where we lift the veil on the world issues that unite us like a thread weaving us together, keeping the conversations going that are vital to the health of our planet, animals, and our collective well-being. Meet everyday people making a difference in their communities. Learn about what unites us and discover ways to change the world. Together, we are powerful. Real conversations with real people. Welcome to Threads of Commonality. This is Sam Kelly, and on this episode, my guest is Mayor Ron Feinsod. He's the mayor of the city of Venice, which is in southwest Florida. Ron was originally born in Florida, but he grew up in New Jersey. He owned a small business in New Jersey. He and his family have been coming to Florida for decades, and then in 2016, Ron and his family retired and moved to Florida permanently. So welcome, Ron. I'm glad to have you on the show, especially since we're both here in Venice. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about issues and and things locally here. So welcome. Thank you, Sam. It's my pleasure to spend some time with you. I know that uh, you are very active in Venice. um, And I think that uh, what the things that you do are critical to the future of Venice. So I'm real pleased to be able to speak to you. Thank you so much. And I know you're, you're busy. And I I, I can't imagine a more difficult time to be in office. I, I, I feel bad that, you know, you, you ran for mayor, you were, you were mayor just for a short time, and then the pandemic hit, and, and now this is something huge that you're dealing with. And I do want to talk about COVID later in the show, but in the beginning, I, wanna, I want everyone to get to know you a little better. Can you tell me a little bit about your, uh, how you became involved in politics and and your, your business and coming to Florida and just kind of let us know what you love about Venice and, and how you got to be where you are. Sure, my pleasure. So I was born over in Carl Gables and shortly uh, when I was about two years old, my family moved back to New Jersey where my parents were from. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, starting in uh, Newark, then in West Orange, then Basking Ridge and a number of moves after that. So I've lived in a number of uh, counties throughout New Jersey. My father bought a camera store in the small town of Burnsville, New Jersey, when I was a teenager or preteen. And um, we got involved in the photography business, which had been my father's hobby when he was younger. And I spent my, uh, my business life owning and running uh, retail camera stores. We started coming to Venice in the early 2000s and fell in love with the city. First time we drove in, we had actually, as many people have done, we were looking for a uh, vacation home and future retirement place. And we drove down the East Coast and stopped through, you know, at every state and looked at places throughout uh, the along the East Coast and eventually drove into the city of Venice, drove down Venice Avenue. And I turned to Denise and said, this is the place. This is where we're moving. And um, we started vacationing here, bought a vacation house, and eventually we're fortunate enough to be able to retire here. So I love Venice. To me, it's one of the most wonderful little cities you will ever find and unique in, uh, on the Gulf Coast and unique in the state of Florida. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm originally from a big city myself. I really love being here. I just love the feel of Venice, and I, I love the fact that you know, we can play outside all the time. And uh, I, you know, I grew up up north where it was freezing in the winter. And yeah, and here, I mean, in December on Christmas Day, we're kayaking or paddle boarding. And 
It's, it's wonderful to live in an environment where the outdoors is where you live. Yes. And, and I truly appreciate that. You know, I remember when I was a kid growing up, I spent all of my time playing outdoors. I'm, you know, we didn't have video games. We didn't play indoors much unless the weather was bad. You know, our parents, you know, go outside and play. And that's what right. we did. So to me, this is uh, kind of a return to my youth in that I can go out into my backyard, which is uh, all natural Florida vegetation. Um, I don't have any lawn. I don't believe in that lawns belong down here. So I can go out into my backyard and I have plants uh, that I can help propagate. I have lots of butterflies and stuff. So I just love the environment down here. I think it's just a wonderful place to live. Same for us. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the butterflies because I think it's absolutely awesome that the mayor grows milkweed and uh, and raises butterflies and and you share this milkweed with the people in Venice. Be, and how did you get started with butterflies and how did you become concerned about, you know, their food supply and all of that? First of all, I started planting in my backyard. When we got here, everything in the backyard, it was beautiful, but it was all one color, green. There was no real color added. Uh, the people who had lived here before us had taken out all the lawn, which was great, and planted a lot of natural vegetation, but they didn't take that to the next step. So I looked at it and said, well, in order to attract uh, pollinators, we need to have some colors here. We need to have some different kind of plants. So I started learning about Florida vegetation, which I knew nothing about, and milkweed, obviously, uh, the choice of monarch. So I started planting milkweed. When, I, when some of my milkweed started going to seed, I realized I have seeds. I can grow milkweed. So I did a little research, found out the best way to uh, propagate it, and I started growing milkweed. So that brings us to the monarchs, um, which I had never raised or released butterflies. Uh, one of my neighbors was kind enough to get me started on this, uh, lent me a couple of houses, the netted houses that you do this in. And so for the last basically two months or so, I've been trying to uh, raise monarchs. I've released uh, about a dozen or so so far. I've been raising the uh, milkweed plants to feed them on. And it's a very enjoyable hobby to undertake, especially during the time of being isolated and stuck at home a lot. This is a real connection to nature. When you release a monarch, it's just a wonderful feeling. So I really enjoy it. Yeah, I got hooked as well. I, I bought a milkweed plant because I read that monarch butterflies were becoming endangered and, you know, due to human activity and, and using pesticides and chemicals, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I, I heard, you know, that the monarchs were becoming endangered. And, and so I bought a couple milkweed plants. And once you do that, you're hooked. I mean, because the yep. it's like you no, build absolutely. it and they will come, you know, the you buy the milkweed and the monarchs will show up. I don't know how they find it, but they'll find it and then they'll lay eggs on it and then you'll have the caterpillars and then I don't know if you ran into what I ran into but I started running out of milkweed because those caterpillars eat like crazy yes. oh yep. yeah they so I started like running yep. around to all the uh, garden centers and, and calling first and like do you have milkweed do you have milkweed and I, I'm not the only one in this situation because every <laughs> yeah no a lot of people are I've actually I actually had someone ask me to come over to their house and take caterpillars from them because they ran out of milkweed to feed the caterpillars. So I went there, I picked up about eight caterpillars. I got a friend of mine, uh, Mike, who started on uh, butterflies. He came over, he was at our house. I showed him what I was doing. He said, this is cool, I'm gonna start doing this. And so he started doing it. The more people that get turned on to this great way to interact with nature and, and be involved that you can do easily and inexpensively in your backyard. So it's really an enjoyable thing that has a benefit to our environment. And I think that it's something that I'll probably do for years. I think the most exciting part is when you get up in the morning and you find live monarchs in your cages and you see them drying their wings and you know that in a couple hours, they're going to be ready to fly away. 
it's just a beautiful thing when you open that cage door and sometimes you have to reach in and get them to climb on your hand and other times they'll just fly away. It's just a pleasure. It really is. It's something that I could do every day. I'd like to talk to you about COVID. As a teacher, I'm very concerned about, well, just as a human, I'm very concerned about what's happening. And just here in Florida, I checked today, and we have 533,000 cases, another 6,000 in the past 24 hours, and we have 8,000, a little over 8,000 people that have died. In the United States, we have 5 million cases with 162,000 deaths. And the United States only represents 4% of the world's population, but we have 25% of the death toll of COVID. So as a human, I'm concerned, but also as a teacher, I'm concerned because we are scheduled to be back in school, brick and mortar, physical location, the end of August, August 31st. And there are going to be upwards of 15, 20 students in my classroom. We'll, we'll all be in there together in a closed room. And I know, you know, kids can be asymptomatic. It's, it's going to be really difficult to keep kids in masks. Some kids won't have to wear masks. They'll have doctor's notes for that. But um, it, it's a, a difficult situation. And I feel like as a society, we're not doing what we, we're not doing enough to contain this because there are a lot of people walking around without masks. And I think there's some confusion over masks. So can we talk about that a little bit? Talk about masks and, you know, I'm going to preface this with neither of us are doctors. Okay. You're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. So we have to rely on the medical information provided by credible, credible sources. So I'd like to just have an open conversation with you about COVID, about masks, what your concerns are and what that means as for Venice as our, you know, one of our leaders, what, what's going on here in our city? Well, I'll, I'll start with back on March 13th is when I really became very active in trying to slow down the spread of COVID. March 13th happened to be my 69th birthday. It was a Friday. Unknown to me, my, uh, my wife, Denise, had purchased tickets for us to go to the Venice Theater that night. But I spent the day on the phone with the Venice Theater trying to talk them into canceling their shows because of the COVID-19 virus and my concern about how it was spread. So starting on March 13th is when I became very active in trying to do something positive to slow down the spread of COVID-19. And I spent days on the phone uh, talking to people of more powerful political positions than myself, but I really got nowhere. Um, and so I've been fighting this battle for quite a while. In early June, when we, when the state of Florida went into its uh, second phase of reopening, I realized that we had never achieved the goals of the CDC for the first stage before we entered the second stage. And I kind of saw this train coming down the track um, that we were headed for a disaster. And I have been pushing to get face masks as a requirement since then. Initially, uh, when I first brought this to the uh, Venice City Council, I put it on the agenda. Now, normally what happens is when something's on the agenda, one council member will bring it to the table and another council member will second it so that there can be a discussion. No council member would bring my, my request to the table. So I did it myself. No council member would second my request so we never even got to discuss it, which was pretty upsetting for me. 
Weeks go by. Uh, the state of Florida continues to explode with uh, more cases, more hospitalizations, and more deaths. And eventually, um, we do get city council to agree to issue a um, not an ordinance, which would have the uh, power of enforcement behind it, but simply simply a resolution. But everything in that resolution basically are all the reasons why we should have an ordinance. If you read the resolution, every reason in it explains why we should have an actual enforceable ordinance. Not everybody understands the difference between a resolution and an ordinance. Is that something you could explain kind of quickly? Yeah, very, yeah, very simply, a resolution says this is what we suggest or what we recommend, but there's no enforcement behind it. An ordinance by law is enforceable. So we put together a resolution that told people what we thought they should be doing, what we recommended they do, but we really didn't make it so that it was a requirement. And that allowed businesses to make their own individual rules. Um, not all businesses had to follow the same guidelines. If we had an ordinance, all businesses, all places that where the public could go into would have to follow the same guideline. Without that... And isn't a, a resolution, I mean, putting that on the businesses, is, doesn't that make it difficult for the local merchants? I mean, they are, without having an ordinance, you're leaving it up to businesses and, and employees, many of whom are you know, making minimum wage and, and trying to just get by, you've got these local merchants who have been suffering because of the economy and they're just trying to make it. But now with, with a resolution, it's up to them to enforce masks and, and decide whether they want to do masks in their stores. And, and, and then you've got employees having to enforce masks. Whereas if you pass an ordinance, that would be like no smoking indoors, right? That was an ordinance. Right. Exactly. It's exactly the same. This is what I've been telling people. It's exactly the same. So all of those people who, who have complained that we are taking away their civil liberties, to all of those people, I say the same thing. With civil liberties comes civil responsibility. And one of those responsibilities in this situation where we have a, uh, a pandemic is to be responsible to others, not just to yourself, but to others who you come in contact with. Now, when we uh, banned indoor smoking, people said we were taking away those civil liberties. How many people want to go back to those days now? I don't think too many. Not me. <laughs> this is exactly the same thing, because the reason we banned indoor smoking was because what other people were exhaling mm -hmm. could affect those around them and make them ill. This is the same thing. What other people are exhaling can make us ill. So there's really very little difference between this and cigarette smoking, other than this is temporary. This is something that eventually we should be able to return closer to normal. But until we get this under control, we should be using every tool at our disposal. We shouldn't be looking at these things and saying, well, that may not work as well or may not do. It's something that will help. And one of the things that I found most upsetting at our most recent council meeting was when Chief Carvey was asked what he thought. He said, we should all be wearing masks. How do any of our city council members have the audacity. When they say they trust and respect this man, how do they not listen to what he's telling them is going to be the best outcome for the public's safety? This is a man that every single council member has expressed complete trust in, complete faith in. He is in charge of our EMTs. And he said, we should all be wearing masks. And yet, council members voted against it. I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I tuned in virtually to watch that meeting and, and it was frustrating 
to me as a constituent, you know, as a, as a taxpayer property owner here in Venice, I haven't been to any of the businesses downtown. And I know a lot of people that are not going downtown to the businesses simply because there's not a mask ordinance. I'm not going down to those businesses because I do not want to take the chance of being in a closed setting like that with people that aren't wearing masks. Now I'm going to the grocery store because I have to, you know, I, I have to get groceries, but I do not have to shop. I don't have to buy clothing. I don't have to go out to eat. I don't have to go to the bar and, and grab a drink. Those are not essential things. So I'm not willing to sacrifice my safety and my health to go to those establishments, but I would if there was a mask requirement. If I knew that I could go in to one of those locations, and I'm not alone in this, okay? I, I, I'm not alone in this. No, not at all. Um, I would go to one of those locations and spend my money on clothing or other goods, crafts, uh, a beer, um, dinner. I, I would do those things if there was a mask requirement. This is something that I've been saying for quite a while now. Um, at, at having been a retail merchant for most of my life, there are a few things that I believe are kind of universally true. One is people don't want to go out shopping if they don't feel safe. If they don't know what the rules are, they don't feel safe. We have to have consistent rules, and it shouldn't be up to the merchants to make these rules. We never let merchants, any sort of business, make their own health and safety rules. Health and safety rules are government controlled for a reason. They're standard. Everybody follows the same rules. Everybody feels safe when they go out shopping. Nobody has to second guess which places are safe and which places aren't. It would be like saying that restaurants could make their own safety rules about how they cook their chicken or whatever. I mean, you, don't, you simply don't do that because it's not safe for the general public. And that's part of what our responsibility is. So to allow, actually, to not just allow, but to require each merchant to have to kind of make their own rules up. You, you don't have to have a mask here. I'm okay with it. You do have to have one there. It makes no sense. We need consistency for people to feel safe. Very importantly, we are getting ready to enter the fall season. That's when people start coming back, vacationers. We want those vacationers to come to Venice and feel safe here. If other cities around us have face mask ordinance, and we do not, those people are going to go to those other places to do their business. Now, an interesting thing, which you mentioned, Sam, um, the public. I've received hundreds and hundreds of emails about more, more emails about the face mask ordinance than probably all the other emails I've received combined since I took off. About 80%, possibly a little higher, but about 80% of the emails I receive are from people who are in favor of a face mask ordinance, which closely matches the, um, the uh, polls that have been done both statewide and nationally. About 80% of the general public prefers to see us have a face mask ordinance. So it's not, some people have said, oh, you know, the mayor has an agenda. No, my agenda is to do what the people are asking me to do. And the vast majority of people are saying we want a face mask ordinance so we can feel safe so that we know when we go into a store, that store is the same as the next store, the next store, the next door. Everybody is the same. They have the same requirements so that we feel safe shopping. So it's not my agenda. It's the agenda of the majority of the people, which also amazes me that anybody on city council, they see these emails, they know the percentage of emails in favor and the percent against. They see the same emails that I see. So these people know that the general public, the people who elected them, their constituents, want them to have a face mask ordinance passed. I don't understand ignoring the medical professionals, ignoring the scientific community, and ignoring your own constituency in making this face mask ordinance so difficult to pass. I 
fail to understand their thinking. As a constituent, I think it's completely unethical and it's extremely frustrating. And I hope more and more constituents are vocal about what's happening and paying attention to these city meetings to see who is putting the, the health and safety of the community first and who's not. And I think it's very obvious. What I believe is important right now is that as a city, we are a small city. As a city, we need to uh, come together on these issues, not fight each other on these issues. And when the general public is clear on what they want, when it's obvious that the majority of the population is going in one direction, then I believe it is city council's job to listen to those people and respect what they're asking us to do and especially when we have a healthcare emergency the way we do now, it's not a lot to ask. Again, I don't believe it's an infringement on anyone's civil liberties. I don't believe that, that it's an enforcement issue. I think that the majority of people, if they know what is expected of them, will do what is expected of them the same way they do with wearing seatbelts, the same way they do with not smoking indoors. People follow laws when they know what's expected of them. And that is basically what we really need. We need to tell them what we expect. Mayor Feinsod, tell me a little bit more about the mask ordinance and when the next meeting will be to discuss it. We try, I tried to schedule um, another special meeting to get this done earlier, but it was kind of difficult because of their schedules. So we ended up doing it on the next scheduled meeting, which is August 25th, which is Tuesday. This will be a virtual meeting and you can attend. Um, all the instructions are on the city website, which is venicegov.com. And you'll find instructions on how you can participate either by calling in or by writing in and having uh, your letter read into the records. This meeting um, will be a general meeting, so we'll be going over a lot of other issues, but this will be when we take, when we do the second reading on the ordinance to require face mask. This will require four council members to vote in favor in order for it to pass. So three council members, myself, uh, Mr. Cataro and uh, Ms. Fiedler, have voted on the first reading to pass this ordinance. We need to get support from at least one more council member. And so I think it's important that if you are concerned about this, if this issue affects you and you want to see this face mask ordinance passed, that you contact council members directly and express your concerns and let them explain their positions to you. Their information is available on the city website. And just to clarify, Venice would not be the only city with a face mask ordinance. No. Uh, the city of Sarasota, Punta Gorda, um, uh, Longboat Key, they all have face mask ordinances. Ours basically copies theirs, really. It's pretty much the same. Yeah, I want to talk about masks real quick because um, as an educator, I think education is key. And I'm a little frustrated at seeing the misinformation out in the general public about masks. There's different kinds of masks. Currently, the, the mask that the ordinance would, would require is a cloth mask, right? A cloth mask or disposable surgical mask. Basically, what I've read is mostly any of the two-layered masks, if both parties are wearing them, offer ample protection. That, that's the key if right two there. Parties so are wearing them, right? If I'm wearing an N95 mask, the medical experts have said that the N95 mask would protect 
the wearer. That would be me. So that would keep my germs in with me, but also could potentially protect me from the virus if someone around me had it and wasn't wearing a mask. But N95 masks are not widely available. So the requirement would be a cloth mask or one of the surgical masks. Now, those masks do not protect the person wearing That's it. Right. That is the confusion. Everybody thinks, oh, there's this deadly virus. This little cloth isn't going to protect me. That's correct. This is like a team effort here. It's like the group project in college. We all have to work together. So if everyone is wearing a cloth mask, they work. If you and I were in person right now, not virtually having this conversation, we could be safe if we were six feet apart. And if you had on a cloth mask or a surgical mask, and so did I, because what do those masks do? They keep my germs, should I be asymptomatic or should I have coronavirus, they would keep them to myself and your mask would keep yours to yourself. We wouldn't be spreading them to each other. So that's why the mask requirement is so crucial because if we're, if I'm in a room and there's 20 of us in there and 19 of us are doing the right thing and wearing a mask, but one person isn't, that's they the refuse yeah. because it's inconvenient or whatever excuse they want to make. If they're in that room, they are harming, potentially harming the rest of us. 20 other people, that's right. And that is a violation of our liberties and our right to be out in the public in a safe environment, which which is the responsibility of the government, not the local merchants. The local merchants are not responsible for public health and safety. That's correct. And that's why it's very frustrating as a constituent to watch our elected officials for whom we pay taxes and who we elected avoid the responsibility because of political reasons and to avoid the responsibility and and avoid passing an ordinance and pushing that off onto merchants. I think that's unacceptable and it's very frustrating, not only for the merchants, but for everyday people like myself. And it's hurting our economy because I know I'm just one voice, but I'm not alone in this. I'm not spending money downtown because of the- Sam, I cannot tell you how many people who wrote emails in said exactly the same thing. I will not go downtown Venice anymore. I love shopping in downtown Venice. I'm done with it until there's a face mask ordinance. I'll go to the city of Sarasota where they have a face mask ordinance. And so we're going to lose our tourism business. We're losing our local customers. This is not in the, in the best interest of the city of Venice to ignore this and pretend that um, not having an ordinance is going to be a benefit. Not having an ordinance is not going to benefit the city of Venice. People are not going to come to Venice if they feel safer in Sarasota or on Longboat Key or wherever they may go where there is a face mask ordinance and they know what to expect when they go into stores. I will continue to try to get a face mask ordinance in the city of Venice because I think it's the right thing to do and I know it is what the people want me to do. The public, again, 80% of the public is asking us to do this and to do it as quickly as possible. I'm going to keep fighting for that. So August 25th is the next meeting where there's going to be a a city meeting. That's the regular Venice City Council, Council regular scheduled meeting. Um, This isn't an emergency meeting. So everyone should be in attendance. It's going to be virtual again. And the face mask ordinance is going to be one item on the agenda. Um, And people that are concerned about this issue and and want this uh, mask ordinance that want safety for the city of Venice, they can check out the Venice website. And I'll put that in the notes for the podcast. Uh, But basically, it's just go to the website. And and by the way, that the... um... 
public comment section uh, is at the beginning of the meeting. Um, there's usually one at the end also, but people don't usually hang around to the end. But at the beginning of the meeting, shortly after we open the meeting is, is the op opportunity for public comment. And I urge people to call in and speak and let people, let the council know how you feel about these issues because council is there to listen to you. That's where we got elected, that's our job. Thank you. So I'll share all that in the notes, but one more thing before we end the interview here, the discussion, I want to talk about the environment real quick. I know you're very, we started out talking about, you know, not having a lawn and not using chemicals and, and raising butterflies and the pollinators. Um, and so you're living what you want for the city, right? You are, you're not just talking about it. You're actually doing it there at your own home. So tell me a little bit more about um, there's LDRs, right, that are that are uh, being put forward by the Environmental Advisory Board. And can you explain those real quick? Yeah, this is a very important time for our city. We are in the process of rewriting our land development regulations. Now, those land development regulations uh, will put a lot of uh, controls or have the potential to put a lot of controls on how development happens in the city of Venice. The Environmental Advisory Board has come up with a series of recommendations about how things, certain things should be done, such as um, how ponds and retention ponds and lakes should be built um, to best protect uh, the environment. Um, a lot of these LDR recommendations uh, from the Environmental Advisory Board will do two things. One, they'll protect the environment, and two, they will, in a different way, they will help to control development. Uh, they won't stop development. They will simply put different sets of controls on it. And those controls will benefit us. They'll benefit the city itself um, because we will have a cleaner uh, water uh, quality, what's going into the Gulf from our retention ponds and from the lakes that we build in these communities uh, will be better, uh, better filtered. So that will be part of it. There will also be um, information in those environmental controls that will require that the developers actually use the topsoil that they, that they plow up, not just dump it, but actually put it back where it came from so that our, uh, the topsoil that takes hundreds, possibly thousands of years really to create topsoil in Florida uh, gets put back where it came from um, so that we have a more natural uh, um, environment for our plants to grow and also, by the way, requiring more natural Florida friendly and Florida natural vegetation from the developers. So it's important that people pay attention to what is going on in the uh, land development regulations and in the recommendations from the Environmental Advisory Board to the Planning Commission. Because if the Planning Commission waters down these regulations, um, we are not going to have the level of protection that we could have if the Environmental Advisory Board's recommendations are enacted as they are written. So I think this is a great opportunity for the city of Venice to become um, much more environmentally aware and sound for the long term. So a couple quick things, um, and I'm going to ask them all right now so I don't forget. Where can people go to see the LDRs? And if the LD and second question, um, how can people encourage these LDRs to be put in place or approved? And third question, how long would they be in, how long would they be active? You know, with this cycle of LDRs, is it 10 years or can you just talk about that real quick? Well, yeah, the, the LDRs could last decades. Um, the last time they were rewritten, I think was about 30 years ago. So the LDRs can last for quite a long time. 
Um, so this is a crucial thing. The, I mean, th this is a, oh, yeah, a really yeah, this is, prime opportunity right now to get some environmental protections in place that could last decades. Or if we don't do it, end up with some bad lack of regulations and be stuck with them, right? For a long time. Right. This is, this is probably the only time, the only opportunity we will have in our lifetimes to actually make a significant change in how we develop land within the city of Venice. So this is a very, very, very important time. Where can people um, go to find them? Now, well, they're in the process of writing the LDR. So what's going to happen is there will be public meetings where there will be, where we will want input from the public on what is in the LDRs. Things like the height of buildings in downtown Venice. Um, there's, you know, changes to that. There's a lot of, a lot of changes that people, some of which people will think are good, some maybe not so good, but there will be a lot of public discussion and public input. So it's important that people pay attention to the city's website um, and to when there are public meetings announced to participate. So the public meetings, would those be under the EAB, Environmental Advisory Board, public meeting? No, those will, be under, those will be under the Planning Commission. Planning Commission. So if someone wants right. to... The envir the envir right, the EAB will report to the Planning Commission. The Environmental Advisory Board will send their recommendations to the Planning Commission. The Planning Commission will bring those to the public and the public will have input. So the, if... If the members of the members of the public, they can stay on top of these LDRs in this process by paying attention to the City of Venice website and looking for the planning commission meetings and the agenda yes. for those meetings. And if the LDRs are right. listed on the agenda for the planning commission, people should go attend or is there a way to uh, participate remotely or email or... There yeah, there will be virtual, these will be vir okay. mostly virtual meetings. Actually, what I would suggest is if you go to the city's website and you go to the actual meetings, you can see the meetings for the LDRs, you can see the meetings for the EAB, you can see the meetings for all of the, all of the different advisory groups and committees that we have. So you can pay attention to what's going on with um, Parks and Rec, you can historical development, all of those meetings are public meetings, they're all open to the public. And if you are interested in any of those aspects of the city, attend those meetings right and 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 apply for positions on those in those was, uh yeah. groups absolutely too, we right? have we have committee position right we have committee positions open in a number of committees so if you're interested in becoming involved in the city government um please again go to the city website all the information is there awesome okay so we've got august 25th that will be the meeting for to discuss the possible face mask ordinance to protect us from COVID and make our community safer and be looking on the website and Facebook for the event and also be checking on the LDRs. We've got a once in a lifetime opportunity here, sounds like. So we need to be paying attention to those and that's part of the planning commission and people need to be checking the, the city of Venice website to see when those planning commission meetings are. Any, any last things before we hang up uh, for, I, I wanna have you on the show again, cause I feel like there's a lot of other things we, we need to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of environmental issues that we haven't even approached a discussion on, on and I wanna talk to you further about them, but. I'll be glad to come back and talk another time. Absolutely. Um, the only thing that I really can finalize this with is that um, public participation is important. Um, this is a time in which we have a very divisive society and we need to try to bring people together. We have common issues and we need to find common ground in those common issues. We should all be working towards the same goals of protecting people's health. We should all be working towards the same goals of protecting our environment. 
And this is a time um, with as much divisiveness as we, as we have, here's an opportunity for us to come together because these are the things that we all, the majority of us all agree on. We agree that we should be protecting our environment and we agree that we should be protecting each other from the COVID virus. So we have some major things that we can agree on and we should be working together and not being divisive. We need to find common ground and work together if we want to succeed. I agree completely. Health, clean air, clean water, these should not be political issues. These are things, I mean, this show is called uh, Threads of Commonality because there are things that we have in common. There are issues that bind us as humans, regardless of um, you know, the, the things that we see as divisive. These are things that all connect us. And if we could weed through the political junk that's out there, we would see at the root of all of these issues are things that we have in common and we need each other to move forward for the protection of all humankind. So um, thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate appreciate having you on the show. And I look forward to talking to you again. All right, Mayor Fine, Saad. I appreciate yeah, it. Have a good rest of the day. You too. All thanks. Right. That wraps up this episode of Threads of Commonality. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found some common threads and enjoyed listening. Please remember to click the subscribe button, share, and find us at threadsofcommonality.com. I'm your host, Sam Kelly. Remember to keep the conversations going. <laughs>